Good day, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Today, I will freely admit I am not a gambler. I spent very little time in my life inside casinos and have only a tangential relationship with understanding the odds in sports betting. So like any other student, I need to learn more about this industry and its looming impact on college sports. I've invited the best expert I know to enlighten all of us. Robert Ambrose is a casino and hospitality consultant, university instructor, and freelance writer. He is a former vice president of gaming operations for the Gomes and Cordish Company. Bob was a key member for, for casino development projects in several states. And prior to that, he was the executive director of slot services at the Tropicana Casino and Hotel in Atlantic City. He has published articles in trade publications, including Casino Life and Global Gaming Business. And he is on the editorial board of the newly launched academic journal on gaming, hospitality, and tourism through Stockton University. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the basics. Give us a sense of how much money is spent on sports gambling in the U.S. on North American sports annually. I'm excited about this because some new stats just came out, which I'll get into shortly about New Jersey and Pennsylvania. But according to a report from the American Gaming Association, which uh, is a, a trade organization for our industry, uh, sports betting expanded to 20 states and, and Washington, D.C. by the end of last year. And with the market collecting $1.53 billion in revenue. Now that's legal betting. This is nearly a 69% increase from 2019. Much of the increase came from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, where closed commercial casinos sent customers to online opportunities. And this definitely was, was a driver. Uh, sports betting in 2021 is expected to uh, increase by six to 12 states so far. Uh, in mature markets like Nevada and some states with closed restricted brick and mortar offerings, uh, they could see a little more in terms of an increase. But we have to remember that in 2020, the numbers have been skewed because of the pandemic influencers. Uh, bets were driven online by casino closures and sports in general was limited in terms of competition. So uh, the elements, uh, the, the areas to bet were limited. But People found them, and uh, we can read into the numbers. But uh, 2020, definitely going forward, will will have a lot of footnotes in terms of understanding what happened in 2020. Um, I will add real quick, and this is hot off the press, and I'm going to I'm going to read it here, uh, including internet and sports uh, money. The casinos won. This is in New Jersey. 295.7 million in January of this year. And when the three horse racing tracks that offer sports betting are included, the figures rise to 346.4 million. Pennsylvania's gaming revenues stay strong and it continued to thrive. The total handle, that's the amount bet, uh, is in the state of Pennsylvania for January was 605.2 million. That's up 12.6, uh, 16% from December. Wow. So we're off to a rocking start here. Absolutely. And just give us a sense of how much is spent on offshore betting as well. I wish we had exact figures for that. 
as you know, um, they, they're not too forthcoming, uh, the offshore properties, but we do know that offshore sports betting market is one of the largest in the world and it generates billions, um, but it's difficult to track. Now, uh, the AGA, the American Gaming Association, um, has approximated that it's around 150 billion, an approximation. Uh, they note um, um, illegal shore uh, operators continue to take advantage of a lot of unknowing customers. A lot of people, uh, would-be bettors, uh, have gravitated to the internet during the uh, pandemic and may have never bet on anything before, but um, it, it's, it's become a bit of an issue. And since sports was limited through 2020 in terms of what you could wager on, uh, offshore betting has offered uh, everything from weather to shark migration patterns. I mean, it's, it's gotten that bad. <laughs> to, political, but, to political races too, as well. Oh my goodness, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. So in terms of college sports, do you have a sense of how much is legally spent on college sports and in particular NCAA men's basketball, March Madness as it's known, and the college football playoff games? Well, again, there's two sides to that, those figures. There's one that we know about and one we don't know about. Uh, it's nearly impossible to determine the total amount actually wagered on NCAA tournaments. But not only do we have to track the legal wagering in Nevada, Delaware, Montana, and Oregon, but you can't forget the illegal betting online. Um, we're not talking millions, we're, we're talking billions. Um, all told. Uh, a while back, there was an FBI study done to try and figure just the NCAA uh, tournament out in terms of, you know, what is bet. And their investigation and estimates bring it at around $3 billion uh, of illegal betting uh, just on that alone. Uh, the American Gaming Association came out and said that they expect $10.4 billion to be bet on March Madness just this year which is it's remarkable it's absolutely remarkable phenomenal. so important why both presidents people who want to become college presidents and trustees begin to understand the tremendous financial pressure that surrounds our high profile events in college sports i know there are some states that don't yet have legalized sports betting give us a sense of where it's legal and and if there are any restrictions well right now there's uh 23 states that are uh, legal sports betting jurisdictions in the US. Um, they allow various forms of, of, of gaming and betting. There isn't a one size fits all. Um, sports betting in general is legal, um, but keep in mind not every sports book uh, allows you to place the same bet uh, on, the, on the same topics. It's, there's no consistency. Uh, it's, it's very much like the gaming laws in terms of the casino industry. Okay. Uh, I, I've been licensed in about a half a dozen states around the country uh, when we were building casinos, and I had to fill out various applications and forms for the investigation, and every jurisdiction is different. Uh, what they require, what they look for, there's no consistency. What I would say, the best thing would be if there was, I wouldn't mind to seeing a national uh, registration 
just like I'd like to see it on the gaming side, which, which hasn't ha happened yet. But um, um, you have to, the easiest way to tell if a sports book, if, if someone uh, is, is betting uh, legal or illegally, because a lot of people don't know when they go online uh, because of this um, naivete that's going on with the pandemic and, oh, let me go on and see, let's see if I can place a bet on something. Uh, you'll see a state's logo on the website. If you, it's that simple. If you see the logo, you know you're doing okay. You're betting legally. And um, that is the safest way to bet. And it's also the easiest way to track uh, in terms of investigations, which you know we'll get into. Absolutely. So speaking to your home state, New Jersey, um, tell us more about what's going on in New Jersey right now. The current legislation working its way through their legislature concerning gambling on the college sports teams that are located in New Jersey. And some people seem to think this is going to pass. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree 100% that it, that it is. New Jersey seems to be at the forefront. Uh, it's nice to see that we're at the forefront on something besides <laughs> high taxes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, just as a historical note, New Jersey won a U.S. Supreme Court case in 2018, allowing the states to offer legal sports betting should they choose. Uh, it, quick, it quickly, New Jersey, dominated the East Coast market. And New Jersey lawmakers want to amend the state's constitution this year now and uh, to allow sports betting on all major collegiate games, removing a big restriction in the wagering market. Uh, a bill calling for a public referendum this year uh, amended significantly the collegiate sports betting in the state. Uh, current state law prohibits betting on college games played anywhere in New Jersey. And it also bans betting on games played in other states involving New Jersey teams legally. Right. Uh, this bill will ask voters to approve betting only on New Jersey college playoff or championship games. The new measure would allow it on regular season games as well, which is a big difference. Uh, the state has the blessing of the NCAA and the attorney general's office, which is a big nut because for years, the NCAA uh, fought states like New Jersey to even think about going this route. Yeah, absolutely. So things have changed. It's, it's a big change. And I, I, quite frankly, will want to get into it with you as to what college administrators should be paying attention to. Sure. If in fact, this, this passes. But let me just finish up our, our kind of our survey. What are the games, modes, and methods of gambling that are included in the next few months' revenue landscape? Like, I hear a lot about BetMGM and DraftKings and some of these other ones that I think are targeted towards sports fans, but what else should we have on our, our radar? Well, I definitely, um, and you're right, um, and just looking at the opportunities to bet, uh, it's a menu of, you know, who do I, who do I join? What, what, what organization do I go with to place my bets? Uh, it's like a gold rush. Years ago, uh, when brick and mortar casinos uh, and states were legalizing them, everyone was rushing to create a brick and mortar casino. Uh, the state's tax revenue, jobs, growing the local economy, uh, you know, all of the above. So we're in a gold rush moment again with this whole sports betting legitimacy. Um, definitely, and we, we did see this in the pandemic, uh, online casino gaming of all nature 
all betting is in a major growth pattern. Um, one thing the pandemic has done, it has accelerated uh, and pushed forward a lot of industries that were moving forward, but at a slower pace. Uh, years ago, when online gaming was first proposed, and for those that, that don't have a total grasp of that, that's basically bringing the casino operation into your home, onto your laptop, onto your smartphone, and you can play slot machines. You can even play them live. Uh, Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City has a group of slot machines with cameras and, and audio, and you're actually playing the slot machine. I spoke to the manufacturers of this. Uh, they're located overseas, uh, licensed appropriately in New Jersey. And so um, online gaming allows you to actually play live, live machines. And if you visit the casino, they are in a room with glass windows that as an observer, you can watch this take place. And it's wow. like a row of invisible players and wow. people are playing from their homes. So online betting is, uh, has, has, has accelerated and will continue to do so. And actually it saved the brick and mortar casino industry. It saved them dearly. Casinos in Atlantic City, as an example, were closed for 107 days because of the pandemic and still are only operating at 25% capacity. So anything to bring money to the bottom line is definitely helpful. It's um, Esports is another viable commodity that through this pandemic, the uh, industry has um, taken off the blinders. I've been saying this for over a decade. I've written several articles on this topic that esports is the next wave. And it, 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 it has become reality now. And not only with the casino industry, universities are waking up to this as well. I'm seeing more and more postings around the country for instructors to teach esports. Right. It is amazing. It is great to see uh, what is happening. I've attended eSport um, uh, conferences. Um, I've attended, uh, there was one at Caesars a few years ago that brought in a huge amount of people. Their fan base is huge. They have a reliable fan base that is just as strong as any sport out there right now. These people want to see their players. Um, hotel rooms, restaurants, fill, fill the property. Sponsorships are huge. My first introduction to esports over a decade ago, uh, through my son, obviously, yeah. um, was watching him uh, on a tournament uh, online, and the sponsor was Old Spice. Now, I hadn't heard the term Old Spice cologne uh, <laughs> until my grandfather moved in with us many years ago. That's all the old folks used. And I said, my God, I don't believe this. And then, then I'm seeing these other sponsors come into play. So now we're talking a revenue stream. Jackpots are huge for the players now. They're yeah. huge. So eSport definitely is, is, is a wave to watch. And just as a, a, a sidebar to that, uh, any company that is involved in cashless wagering is also um, uh, a revenue stream that I'm, I'm seeing grow um, in the casino market because of the pandemic. Money is dirty, cash is dirty. Um, casinos 
Tribal casinos out in California have been the first to go cashless. It's all digital now. So, so when you say cashless, it's basically like a, a, an account on your, an, an app on your phone. You're just using money to be loaded and unloaded that way. Is that what you mean? Exactly. You okay. can, you can um, download to your loyalty card, Okay. Uh, either online for a particular uh, casino or betting uh, company, or cryptocurrency is the next entry into this. Yeah which is skyrocketing this week as I've been paying attention to. Uh, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, really <laughs> is. it really is. So no, no, more chips. no more chips. That's a, that's an old, uh, that's, oh, that's long gone, right? <laughs> if you sit and watch these dealers now have to wash these chips after every hand. Yeah. Yeah. And spray the table. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's all going this, to go away. This is the obvious question, but again, in case people are just trying to get their minds around this, why have the floodgates recently opened for legalizing sports gambling in the U.S.? Well, I would start off with deregulation okay. by the federal government. Okay. It's, it's becoming a state's right, rights issue. Okay. And leaving it up to the states uh, is the way it should be. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, the pandemic has accelerated other ways to bring revenue streams into not only the casino companies, but also the states and the local uh, communities for jobs and um, um, local taxes, things of that nature. Uh, advances in technology has also uh, brought this to the forefront because as little as a decade ago, even less really, uh, some of the things we're doing right now with sport bet or um, gaming technology in terms of being able to to track betting and things of that nature, we couldn't do a decade ago. Right, right. We couldn't do them now. So all of that coming together has created that, uh, I have to relate it to a wagon train going west, you know, for that gold rush. We're all joining on here and we're heading out there for that yeah. pot of gold, you know? Yeah. So... College athletics has been so resistant. In fact, I still have uh, swag, I will call it, from an NCAA conference from probably 10 or, 10 or 8 or 10 years ago that says, don't bet on it. Because the NCAA was indoctrinating that gambling was bad yeah. and that we can't let our, our athletes be influenced because, quite frankly, the NCAA has had gambling scandals yes. over the last 50 years. We've had point shaving and all kinds of things. As someone who understands the industry very well, what advice can you provide to college presidents and other campus leaders about avoiding the unavoidable pressures that could come to bear on college players, on coaches, on athletic staff members, like athletic trainers who know medical conditions and referees? This has been such a concern for all of us. And rightfully so. And, and I get it. Um, as a side note, I'm not a gambler. Believe it or not, I've been in the industry 30 plus years and I don't bet. Wow, I, interesting. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a voyeur. I, I like to watch other people spend their money. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's just the way I view things. I love writing about it. I love teaching about it. I love the operation, the mechanisms that work within it. I do play the stock market, but other than okay. that, <laughs> that I, I have to admit that. But uh, I appreciate their concerns and, and nothing is ever 100%. Uh, even with all the levels of security and transparencies in the casino industry, we've had our issues. 
over yeah. the years. Yeah. Um, and this is uncharted territory. This is that new frontier again, that wagon train going out yeah. and hitting all the bumps in the road. And, and we're going to have them on the surface. There are questions. And, uh, you know, what are the unintended consequences that have been part of this discussion? Um, how does the added pressure of a betting incentive impact the athletes psychologically? Yeah. Uh, does it put more pressure on them? Uh, also, if others are going to make money off gambling and off college sports, what about the athletes themselves? You know, where does that come into play? Uh, according to some reports, the NFL and other professional sport leagues are pushing for a 1% of the total amount wagered on games, kind of like a, a little fee for them. Okay, that's part of a discussion. Um, colleges have received similar integrity fees. Um, and what about the re regulatory compliance? Yeah. Uh, where do you begin? How do you budget? And, and now that bets are placed, what about the dark side? You know, we have a dark side right now and we have illegal gambling going on all the time. Yeah. Um, once it becomes legal, it does change the dynamic and the policing powers are better served. Will you have an issue now and then? Yes, you will. Uh, New Jersey is one of the most heavily regulated states in the country in terms of casino gambling. Um, other states have used our model to build their own. And it, the fact that your, your, your legalities are there and your technology is there, you can track, you can find a paper trail, you can even have a discussion and sit around a table with those principles and discuss uh, what you just saw in a video. Does this look like maybe something was going on here that- Now that's that on the shot? floor of a casino you're talking about now, right? That, well, that... actually it's both. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually it's both. When you bring regulations into, into college sports to the degree betting regulations, Obviously, you, you're creating an environment of uh, uh, more integrity for amateur competition, compliance and regulation. So what you're doing is you're bringing uh, individuals in that are going to react to questionable things. Hmm. When, when red flags go up, someone is there to look at it. And if you see a point spread that has gone askew, or something is just off center and that should not have happened. Well, let's roll back the tape. Let's look at, the, at it. Let's look at the bets placed. Let's see what's going on here. Interesting. Illegal betting overseas, we have no way of, we have no window. We can't see what's going on over there. Right. You know, did that lead to what happened here? So uh, I appreciate um, the stakeholders' concerns, all the, all the academic um, hierarchy thinking twice about this. And, and I, I, like I said, I get it, but regulation is better than not Yeah. in terms of policing the situation. And yes, you will have situations come up, but the best advice I could give is become a learner, learn what the industry does to police itself. 
start speaking with states that are involved in this process in terms of at the university level, uh, like New Jersey, speak to gaming regulators. They're more than happy to sit down with anyone that wants to talk. Okay. Um, I've done that myself just to, to pick their brains. Um, attend the conventions. Uh, the gaming industry has an annual convention in Las Vegas every year in the fall, G2E, where you can meet and greet and sit down with gaming regulators, uh, sport bet companies, uh, anyone you wanna to talk to in hospitality and get an education. As, as, as an academic, and they know this, they will feel better once they have learned more about it. It's mm. a, all that unknown. Yeah, absolutely. That, that really they don't understand yet. And I'm not a proponent, I'm, I'm neutral on it one way or the other. I, I really am personally, as I said, I don't bet, but I, I like to watch the dynamic of this happening. And I, I definitely suggest that they reach out to those parties involved and get an education on it before they make the decisions. That makes sense. I think they would agree with that. That, that makes absolute sense. Um, you know, you were talking about video cameras watching and, and tying into the to the game, what's going on. It, also in the technology that's being built on smartphones, when you place a bet, that's also tracked somewhere, right? Every, they know every keystroke that you're taking. Absolutely. So if there was a problem, you could always, you know, the regulators could rewind and say, okay, I, I can see this. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. It's okay. traceable. The total wins are traceable. The total losses, the uh, models that were bet, uh, whether it's sharks migrating habits or, or whatever, we know we see it in black and white. We, we can print the reports. Uh, you know, just to draw a comparison, um, when, when I found a slot machine that was, I, was, not a pay, was not providing payouts to percentages, because as an operator, I know what every slot machine is paying out in terms of what the percentages are built into the software. Okay. And it's very legal. The, the, the jurisdictions all approve this. There's all kinds of regulations around it. But if I'm looking at a report and I look at a slot machine that has paid beyond the norm, I just turn around and print the reports out and secondary reports and look at the cameras. I look at those coin in, coin out, see what bet, bets were made, what money was placed into the game, how much it paid out. And I'll find out what the issue is, whether it's a legitimate malfunction or somebody's playing games and there's a little dark initiative going on here. So the same can be done in a legal environment. Yeah. You can track things. That's the most important. And I think, I think that's, make that's really right. important that you point that out because I again, we it's so murky. We've been told for so long, we're just not going to address this. Yes. And now I literally am focused on New Jersey because I do think that a lot of change is going to happen with regular season oh. sports betting on division two and division three Stockton others sure. where people will care about who hits the first three pointer in a game or those kinds of things. So how do we protect, but let me ask you this, mm -hmm. you talked about esports and Gen Z we know really loves esports and gambling is tied to esports, correct? People yes. bet on this. So why is it not, if we bring back, let's say, 
video football games or other kinds of gaming devices. Why is it not natural for us to think that we're going to have an entire population of students coming to our campus who've already been gambling? Maybe it's just been in esports, and then we're going to somehow regulate it. Any thoughts about how college presidents should get their head around that? Well, first off, many of them are in the right place right now that are offering curriculums okay. to teach it. Uh, by bringing in experts uh, to teach it, people that have, in some cases, grown up in that environment, um, they will get an education on the topic as well. Nevada, Nevada has legal betting on esports tournaments now. They're, they're the front runner right now. And it's going to go from state to state. Um, again, I go back to this pandemic and it has just as negative as it has been, it has just accelerated so many other elements. A few years back, uh, the gaming industry was uh, producing some games that were um, basically skill-based, slot machines that were skill-based, mm. meaning they were tapping into a market of esport players who knew better how to handle skill set in terms of your customer on your tourist on vacation okay they didn't do well in Atlantic City I'm going back maybe three to five years ago they did not do well things are turning around now for that and I I look at it as part of something you just brought up that the Z generation now they're out of high school they're coming up and they have the skill sets to sit down and handle these skill-based games now mm -hmm. So we are going to see a growth in this arena. There's no question. Uh, whether it's in the brick and mortar, online, uh, betting, uh, it's, it's all out there for, for the future. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch from my perspective. And right Absolutely. Up. It's exciting and frightening all at the same time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so speaking of frightening, let's just say that you, you have a concern that something might be going on in one of your sports teams that is stacking the deck uh, for for gambling. Um, the players are trying to throw a game, coaches are betting on their teams, and you and you want to try to address this, but you're not sure if what you see and what you don't see. Where do you go for help? Where can people go to say this is what I think is going on, but I don't really know for sure? Well, that's when it, it you tie yourself into the regulatory environment. Okay. When we have an issue in a casino. Uh, and I'll use New Jersey as an, as an example, there is a division of gaming enforcement. And I've worked with members of that group for years in many states. And they are an arm of the enforcement uh, wing of the casino industry. And they have all the equipment, all the technical equipment, all of the experts, uh, some being uh, former state police investigators, some being former industry people like myself. And we know what to look for. And with the technology today of the uh, tracking, the video, even audio in some cases, we can, we can review things and find where situations are going a bit askew. And when it involves a group of individuals, uh, there's always someone willing to discuss it for a lesser charge. 
and, and I'm being very blunt because sure, I, yeah. I've witnessed that happen when we've uncovered uh, peculiar things going on with a slot machine or, or, or a bill validator or things of that nature. It's, it's always more than one person or someone talks to somebody else. Uh, also, as part of the regulatory process, um, documents have to be declared and filled out at the state level in terms of your income. I had to be licensed. I had to go through background checks. Um, when investigators start looking into oddities uh, that are peculiar moments, they will also look at how that individual is living right now. Okay. And if they are look, living beyond their means, which so many do when it comes to these kind of shenanigans, that's a red flag. There's just so many red flags that, that you can do, but you have to trust the experts. And that's why legalizing the environment will put those experts in play. Right now, our experts are 3,000 miles away overseas somewhere in a little country we've never heard of, but they're taking bets in and, uh, you know, good luck with yeah, that. Absolutely. Well, Bob Ambrose, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your expertise, your insight, and, and just your ability, ability to give us some hope as we monitor this new Wild West, as you said, uh, it does feel like it's a gold rush at this particular time. We want to make sure that our, our athletes, our coaches, our staff members are fully aware of all the pluses and minuses in this new debate. So, so thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Karen. No problem. Have a good day.